Gig Gab, the Working Musicians podcast, episode number 23 for Sunday, July 12th, 2015. Greetings, folks, and welcome to Gig Gab. Here in Durham, New Hampshire, I'm Dave Hamilton. Oscatus, California. It's Paul Kent. And in a different part of Durham, New Hampshire today, Paul, we have our first guest, Peter Hounslow. Peter Hounslow. Hounslow. Yeah. Originally from London, now from Sweden. Originally Welcome, from- Peter. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for joining us on the show here. Um, Peter, we're going to talk a little bit about this, but Peter's here in the States uh, doing a Who, a Tommy tribute show. That's right. And uh, and so I would, uh, it was a perfect opportunity to talk to somebody that gigs in a very slightly different capacity. So different level of things. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome. Good to be here. Thank you. Yeah, you bet. So we'd like to start out the show, uh, as our listeners know, by talking about the gigs that we played this weekend. I I played one this weekend, Paul. I believe you played more than one this weekend. Is that right, my friend? I literally just walked in the house. I just finished my fifth in a row. Fifth, uh, five in five days or five in less days? Okay. No, sorry. Five in five days. Yeah. I, some of there were a couple of them were acoustics. Actually, Wednesday was the acoustic trio. Thursday and Friday were house rocker gigs. Saturday I did an acoustic solo, and then we just did another house rocker gig today. I feel oh. great, man. I don't know. I, you know, I took. I was really hardcore on the on the voice lessons for a while, and I, I think this whole technique thing is starting to really kick in because I I could keep going. I feel just unusually surreally really really good. Well, that's a good thing. So, yeah, I mean, uh, Peter, you're a you're a trained singer. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, well, I was. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I guess it's like you've, you you're you're a trained car driver. So once you're trained, you're a car driver. And I suppose once you're trained, you're a singer. So yeah, I've it's had, not I've so had, true. I've seen people no. on the roads that that don't fall into that particular bucket. Okay, well, I'm bucket. not one of them. Okay. Uh, <laughs> No, I, I've, um, I did theater training as an actor and I was a musician before that and I was a, I've been a musician since then, uh, but I did a lot of voice training at theater school and okay. a lot of voice training since. I just haven't had a lot of voice training recently. Recent. Oh, well, that's um, different. Okay, but, but you've got yeah, the foundation. But I, but I can rescue a, a, a tired voice situation that's good. with technique. That's good. Yeah, I, That's kind of the fundamental thing. I mean, there's still a lot more to learn, at least yeah. for me, of singing, but this kind of whole basic thing about, about how to build correctly and mm. you know how to use air correctly and and you know the whole thing that people have heard their whole life about singing from their diaphragm this is where it pays off i mean yeah. this is where you're not singing with your throat and i would guess you know peter this is this is the kindergarten things that they teach you when you're you know when you start getting voice lessons when you're younger mm. how to not damage yourself and you know to have to learn this stuff a little bit later in life was a little bit weird for me but it seems to be starting to pay off well, that's right. And that whole thing with the diaphragm is, you know, when you first start or when I first started having singing lessons and it was like, what are you talking about? I don't get this. I don't understand. And I think everyone has a different way of picturing or, or zeroing in on what singing teachers are telling you. And then suddenly there'll be a singing teacher who'll say something a certain way and you'll go, oh, OK, I get it. Exactly. I yeah. know what you mean. And I had that with a singing teacher before I went to drama school. And then I think it was in my second year at drama school, I went and found, no, I had, I had a, 
various different voice teachers at school and I suddenly had one who had trained at the same place as my voice teacher I'd had before I went to theatre school and it was like okay oh this feels good I know what you're talking about and again I took a, a leap forward and it was great and you know good uh, my last singing teacher was an opera singer you know I'm, mine too I'm never ever going to sing opera but but you know the techniques are all the same it is. It's the use of air. And, and all. I'll tell you the, the best, you're talking about the light bulb going on. Yeah. The best kind of weird piece of advice that he gave me that was the big light bulb for me is that it's all about the buzz. It's all about feeling the resonance, you know, in your body somewhere is how you make sounds. Yeah. And that's how you find pitch. Mm. And that's how you, you know, and that's to me was like, yes, you know, I always was listening for the wrong things before and trying to affect the wrong things as opposed to thinking about how certain vowels and certain consonants and where the, where the, um, the buzz was happening everywhere from my chest up through my nose mm. and, or even higher behind your eyes and you know, all that type of stuff. So again, that might mean absolutely nothing to anybody else, but that was like a aha thing for me. And all of a sudden it's, things took a, a quantum leap forward after that. That's right. We know. <laughs> Good. We know, don't we? Yeah. The, so yeah, uh, I had it. I had a good week of gigs. Uh, the band played great. You know, the solo ones were fun. And um, I don't have another five in a row for, for quite a while. But um, this was a really good experience. Great crowds. Learned a lot. You know, some new songs got a little bit of polish on them. And it was just a, you know, a good, in, in all ways, uh, a step forward. So you, you were working with the band, uh, you know, basically this, from the time we started the show uh, back in whenever there was, March, I guess. Uh, you were working with your band and kind of building up the, the new repertoire for this summer, obviously bringing in old stuff from last year, uh, but then adding, adding some new things. Do you feel like the band is now settled into a pocket or are you still feeling your way through some of the new stuff? No, the, the, definitely the new stuff is, is hitting its stride right about now, actually. But I'll tell you the funny thing. The gig today was the second day of a two-day art and wine festival. We've talked about those things and I've shared how, you know, to get a 10 piece band on stage, mic'd, sound checked, balanced in about 22 minutes is, is that's a difficult task for anybody. And we had one of those days today and, and took about two or three songs for this, for the sound on stage even out. But here's what the weird one was. And I, this is my fault, but it's also kind of the, the event organizer. I'm going to encourage him to create a little bit more communication because the band that played at the end of the day last night, played about half our set list and the band that played before us today played about a third of our set list. So I had to kind of swipe a whole bunch of stuff and, and uh, right there when we got to the gig, I had to kind of rewrite the set list a little bit. So you made sure you didn't repeat anything. Yeah. We're, and so th this is how it answers your question is we've got such a nice, deep well of songs to go to. Now we have old favorites, the new stuff we're doing. One of the nice things is we have, about a half a dozen songs that I'd say are like, you know, from the last five or six years that a lot of the cover bands, you know, most of them are classic rock, or classic funk are not touching some of this newer stuff. Sure. And that stuff went over great today. And we have enough songs. I think we probably have 150 songs to choose from right now. So we're, we Holy were crap. deep enough. Yeah, we were deep enough to do it. And, and, and the funny thing is you think about 150 songs and you've seen my band, 150 songs of charts do not fit into a binder very well. My horn players are starting to go to 
uh, pad like devices. I was going to say, why, why aren't they using iPads? And and more specifically, not just for the ease of carting it around, because, I mean, they got to look like pilots used to with those big books, right? Showing up for gigs. Yeah. But but the other part about uh, using an iPad is if you use the right app. And I know the uh, the on song app does this links them all with Bluetooth. So if one guy changes to a chart, it can change everybody else to that same chart. Yeah iPads are too small for them. So they're, they're actually going with a very inexpensive but very big screen pad okay. that has a good PDF reader. And, and uh, so one yeah, of the guys no, uses a pad. You're right. The, yeah, the iPad. I've, I've actually, for my theater gigs, I've been using an iPad mini, believe it or not, on stage. Well, but I, yeah, Peter's looking at me like I'm crazy. I'm a drummer. So I, I, it's reading drum music is very different than reading like, like anything where it's, it's, you know, the, the treble clef where you have to read notes. I did a, a show where I had to play keyboards and on that, I went to a full size iPad, um, which was still small, but not, I could read the notes. And, and I, as I told you, I wasn't, I'm not a great reader of, of uh, piano music anyway. So I had right. to write in half the chords anyway. So it's easier that way. But definitely we'll, we'll get, we were going to do the, the tech show at some point in time and yeah. I'll have a little bit more to add to it. Okay. But that was, that was the, actually the biggest story of the week was getting to a gig today on my way there. One of my guys was already there. He texts me a picture of the band that was on stage at that time. Set list. We're like, Oh, oh damn. And then when I got there, <laughs> the band that had closed the last night and, and this festival has a lot of people who go to the whole festival. They take in the whole music series sure. for two days. And um, so we got there and we scratched some things out. Some things we had a little good fortune that they were never in the set list to begin with. And we moved some stuff around and then the band played great. I mean, we've played this gig, I think seven years in a row now, maybe eight years in a row. And uh, it's always a good crowd and it's gotten to be our crowd. And, and uh, nice. so, yeah, so it's good, man. We had a nice weekend, but yeah. I, I am just so excited to talk about the who, I mean, I have so many questions. Well, you, you didn't let me tell you about my one gig. Please apologies. <laughs> Paul does this, right? He just rolls. It's great because I, I can just I can show up at, exhausted and, and the show just goes. But we actually had a great gig. It was an acoustic trio gig with Monkey Fist on uh, on Thursday night outside uh, under the stars. Actually, it rained a little bit, but there's enough tree cover and the stage is actually actually has a tarp over it that it worked out fine. And uh, the crowd was really into it. Great. The harmonies just locked in all night long. And yeah. Yeah, it's one of our favorite gigs. It's in downtown Portsmouth at a place called The Gaslight and works out. How long do you play? That's a long gig. That was 7 to 11 with two breaks. So, you know, three sets and the breaks, we maybe get 20 minutes, you know, for the break. So we have to play quite a bit. That is long. And for an acoustic gig, it's really long because you're not stretching it out with solos or, you know, anything like that. You're just singing for for four hours. Mm. Do you break it down? And like, did any of the guys literally do just, just him for a little while? We can, but, but we did not the other night. It was all of us all the time. Yeah. Which is fun. You know? Yeah. Yeah. We, we felt good. It was weird that the place is called the gaslight and they have these gas lamps there. So by the middle of the third set, breathing in these, you know, the kind of the fumes, it was like, how come I can't hit that? No. Oh yeah, that's right. That's ah. stupid things right there. So <laughs> maybe that's what I'm paying for. Peter and I rehearsed a little bit because I'm playing with him at this Who show or I'm singing with him. Oh, I'm singing one song with him and I couldn't sing to save really? my life today. I am. Yeah. Well, we'll talk a little bit about that. So let's talk about that. How you doing, Peter? I'm good. Good. Yeah. So you flew in on Friday. Uh, Yeah. Right? And uh, the rest of your band is coming Thurs- in? No, sorry. Thursday. We oh. flew into New York Thursday night. Okay. And then stayed over in Fairfield, Connecticut. Oh, no kidding. And then drove up on Friday. Oh, my sister lives in Fairfield. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, I grew up in Norwalk, so I'm not too far from there. Okay. Yep. 
So you um, you have this Tommy Who tribute that you yeah. put together, mm-hmm. and you t- tell us a little bit about that. This is a relatively new thing for you. Relatively new, yeah. Um, the project was started by a friend of mine called Hendrik, okay. who's uh, also a former actor. Uh, now makes ice cream as a profession. He started an, an organic ice cream company, but he's still playing. We've done some acoustic gigs together um, and various other things with different people because there's a lot of people we know who are musicians and singers and stuff. And he basically wanted to do, would you believe, a Beach Boys show. That would be awesome. It would. Um, okay. Um, you thought I was going to say who show, but he wanted to do a Beach Boys show. He still wants to do a Beach Boys show. Um, and he asked me if I'd be interested and I said, God, yeah, I mean, you know, I'm good with harmonies and working out, you know, choral arrangements and stuff. It's great fun. I can hold, you know, um, yeah. And then it, nothing happened. And then after a while he said, do you know what? I I really want to do this. I really want to do, I really want to play Tommy start to finish like the album, but maybe with some changes. Uh, what do you think about that for an idea? And I said, great, let's do it. So we started meeting just him and him and me, two acoustic guitars, working out who was going to do what, started to look at the harmonies and um, how we would arrange this, who we would get in to, to fill out the band, and uh, should we have soloists to take some of the, the roles or not? Um, was it worth taking in people who were known in order to attract a bigger audience and what have you? Uh, there we weren't really uh, 100% in agreement. Yeah. Uh, I didn't want to, he did. Okay. Um, is that still a a, 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 uh, a negotiation that goes on back and forth? Um, yeah. yeah. Not, not here because it was a whole different thing here. Sure. Um, uh, but we can come to that. Um, so, and, and I think we started rehearsing casually kind of November, December, the year before we put the show on. Oh, wow. So, um, and your first so, show is November of 14, right? Yeah, that's right, yeah. So you, you rehearsed for a year before you yeah, put on a show. Yeah, but to begin with, it was Henrik and I, we, we just kind of threw ideas around and who would do what, and then it was, we, we had time, um, and then we started discussing who would be our musicians. Um, sure. So it was by invitation, not, not open uh, audition? Yeah, it was invitation. I mean, it, it, we, we didn't have the money to pay people. We had the money to hire the theater and everything, so uh, we did it as a as a thing we wanted to do. Um, and I knew a keyboard player who I thought would be brilliant. Uh, a young guy who's studying music, uh, in, uh, Stockholm's Royal school of music. It's not called that, but in English it's called that. Um, bass player who studied bass in California. I think we agreed it was called musicians Institute. Oh yeah. That's oh, yeah. in LA. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So he was in LA for two or three years and then, you know, in recent years has, you know, got a job, real job. Sure. But still plays a lot. And um, he's very tall. You know, you, know, you can't miss him. He, he's he's very definitely the tallest member of the band. Um, but a very solid bass player. He's great. Uh, despite his height. Despite his height, yeah. yeah. No. Um, and then the drummer I've worked with a lot in different uh, situations. He's a sound guy too, as well as being a, a brilliant drummer and an excellent bass player. Oh. Uh, but he's got the Keith Moon thing down pat. He when we first started rehearsing, it was like, you know this already. And it was just so fantastic to be able to hang what I was doing on his drumming because it was there and it was just brilliant. It was like playing along with the, the record almost. That's awesome. So, it was brilliant. so this is actually interesting to me because my um, thought about this tribute genre mm. is that it's usually comprised of um, people who all have 
like a crazy passion for the band that they're that they're mm-hmm. doing a tribute to, as opposed to you know just learning the parts and playing the parts. Mm-hmm. Is there? Do you have any sense as to whether that like you have excellent musicians? Are they? Do they all love the Who? Um, yeah, to to more or less. Um, uh, in the case of uh, our keyboard player and our female singer, I think that it was relatively new for them. Um, and I'm not an expert on the who or wasn't. Yeah. Uh, I, I know. I bet you are now. I know Tommy and our greatest hit songs <laughs> very well. Okay. But you're, <laughs> um, but you're not a, a crazy who fan from. No, I wasn't a crazy who fan from before, but I've always liked the stuff. And I've, sure. I mean, pinball wizards always been a favorite of mine. I love who are you? Yep. Um, and, and those songs that, and won't get fooled again. Um, just does my head in still every time I hear it and every time I play it. It's awesome. Uh, it's it's just a great, it's it's a challenge to play, not because the guitar parts are difficult because they're not, but you have to time everything with the keyboard. Oh yeah, and, totally. And, it, and it's a challenge. And um, uh, Henrik, whose idea this was to begin with, he said, well, you know what? They did a single edit version. Maybe we should do that. And I listened to it once and I said, never in a million years, forget mm. it. Yeah. it. It's just not the song. They've hacked it. They've hacked it and removed everything that made it the song. Yeah, well, if you're going to do it, you, so you, you got to do it right. But you, you also have to feel it. Yeah, right? absolutely. And, yeah. and and that one was that one was tricky to get right because we had to get the right effect. Um, uh, and luckily, the theater where we put it on is also the theater where I work. So I was able to find the effect on the on the mixer and put the right parameters, the right timing, and the right beat and everything. And and it worked great. So let's talk a little bit about that because have you only ever put this on at one theater yep. up until now? Okay, yep. so what you're doing here, obviously putting it on in it's a theater, our second performance. <laughs> oh, this is only the second yeah. time you've done yeah. this. No, we we were going to put it on in other places, but then Henrik, who who does, uh, in in all honesty, run a ice cream making business as well as doing all his music stuff, um, didn't have the energy to keep it going at the time. Uh, we tried to get in touch with some venues that might have been interested, but their their program was already set. Ah, oh, for this uh, year, and yeah, or even for that autumn, or even the spring season just gone. Uh, and so, okay, we had this happening, so we were focusing on coming over here and doing it here, and getting together a new show for the same theater in November. Okay, in Sweden, so we've got a new show coming up, which is the Golden Age of Rock and Roll. And if we do well next week. You never know. You might hear. You might hear it next year. Um, but that one's a challenge because it's um, loads of different artists, loads of different genres within rock and roll. You know sure. what's loosely regarded as rock and roll. We've got everything from Elvis to the Beatles to Led Zeppelin to Peter Gabriel to um, Nancy Sinatra, um, right up to um, Blondie and The Clash. That sounds awesome. And we haven't rehearsed a single song yet. And uh, you don't need to for that kind of stuff. Oh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, we need to rehearse. We need to rehearse. Yeah. 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 Huh. So, Peter, I have, I have a lot of questions about the approach. I have a, I have a lot of questions about the technical approach to portraying the who, and then mm-hmm. a ton of questions about, you know, how this whole endeavor, you well, know, tours we, well, and, and we, books. I need, I need to point out, we don't portray the who. So we're not a tribute band in that sense. We're not trying to be them or to pr- pretend for our audience that we could be them. Um, for a start, we've got two guitarists in the band, not just one. Ah, yeah. Um, which you actually need to accurately reproduce these tunes. Yes, that, we're, we're trying to do justice to the music. We're trying. Okay. To, we're trying to give it, you know, the, the balls that it had when it when it was all new. Yeah, and definitely, you know, um, 
tribute in the real sense, you know, our tribute to the Who in a way, and this great Got album it. and all and all the great singles as well that we try and um, do give do justice to uh, in the second. Totally act. get it. So you're kind of like uh, there, there's a band out of New York called the Fab Faux that is yeah. mm-hmm. a Beatles tribute. Yeah, but they don't. That's, that's Will Lee's band, right? Right. It's Will Lee's band, but there's at least five guys in the band, mm. and then they pull in more to cover other things too, and and mm. so they're not trying to pretend like you're at a Beatles show. They're just trying to, as you are accurately reproduce the Beatles. I mean, mean, you know, we, we found the name, the Tommy experience uh, and that's what we are. We're not, we're not like um, who's next or who's best or whatever, you know, pun you can find to, (laughs) to to, uh, call us. Um, Who are they? Yeah, who are they? (laughs) Where is the line? I guess would be my first question then. So, if we go to your show and we close our eyes, does it sound like the who? Yeah. Um, All right. Um, I mean, uh, neither Henrik or I sound like Roger Daltrey. Um, Got it. Henrik closer than I am. Let's uh, be honest. Roger Daltrey doesn't sound like Roger Daltrey today. Uh, <laughs> That's true. <laughs> but I, I would actually say this. So and thinking about. And we don't swing microphones on their cables either. I can, wait, I can't that, swing microphones on Saturday night? Uh, well, you can because you're not playing a guitar. We're, we're oh, all playing. So that's right. none, of us stop, none of us stop. And, yeah. are, are you windmilling any of your guitar chords? Uh, we try. Uh, I look right, a real that's jerk. That's hard to do, by the way. I look a real jerk doing it. So I don't do it very often. But, you know, uh-huh. at some point in the show, you've got to do it. Um, and yeah. you know, I even do the kind of jump up in the air as well, but we don't smash any nice. guitars because you know. So you're not that bringing was on any my instruments. List. Me too. Yeah, that's. I'm awesome. sorry. I'm sorry. You know, I, I know people are going to be disappointed, but for a start, you know, I can't afford to smash any of my guitars in Sweden, and if I did it here, you know, Russ would never speak to me again. So. Well, and, and and your drummer, I believe your drummer's. In fact, I have a, an important question to ask, but I believe your drummer's using my kit. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah so yeah. so you've been playing with this guy for a while. Yeah. How hard does your drummer hit? Um. I'm not a drummer, so I couldn't tell you. How loud is he when you're rehearsing compared to other drummers? Uh, this question doesn't usually stump people. Uh, but that's okay. Well, I'm a sound engineer as well, so oh, I mean, okay. Um, take, uh, he's a, take he's, this the right way, but drummers are the biggest pain in the neck when you're, you know, rehearsing uh-oh. or you know, sound sound engineering. Well, they're not. I mean, but if you're setting up on stage, you know, the drummers, the first thing they want to do when they've set up is start banging their drums. And if you're plugging in some mics just in front of them, that's bad. It's oh. bad. Oh, that, yeah, that's just disrespectful. But the, but I think the best professional drummers they don't do that. They no. set up and then they'll go away. Yeah, and let the mics get set up first. Yeah, uh, and Mick is one of those. He'll he'll do it. He'll bang a little bit, and he's like, okay, that's good. And then, but yeah, when we're playing, because we're all playing loud, then yeah, it's kind of loud, but. But he, okay. so I am fascinated. So I, I, no, the reason I was asking was just I didn't want to. Uh, I didn't. I, I got to decide about your drums. Well, I got to decide what snare drum to, to, to loan him for the night. And okay. so yeah. you know. So there you go. Okay. So go ahead, Paul. Sorry, I can ask him before he comes over. No, it's it's <laughs> he'll he'll lie. Yeah. We all as drummers we lie when people ask how hard do you hit. Oh, it's not that hard. It's it's fine. Uh, yeah, no it's big fine. deal. It's no big deal. Yeah, exactly. Now he hits so hard. The who? He, he hits hard enough. Yeah, there you hard go. Enough. Okay. Yeah. There Why you didn't you just tell me you're worried about your snare drum? Oh, it's a, well, I figured we'd get there. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. So the who is particularly interesting in the nuance of, of the sound. Like I'm thinking of the who and I'm thinking that not only is the Keith Moon stuff really, really hard to cop. Yeah. But I actually think that the bass sound is a really interesting sound as well. So Entwistle, you know, he had that kind of rumbling low end, very kind of um, very percussive finger, you know, approach to it. I, I can't even imagine that somebody would be able to cop that. Uh, well, Thomas is pretty good. I think uh, I think our friends here are going to be impressed. 
Uh, That's I, really cool. I mean, he, he's very solid. He's he just stands there and he kind of he's doing what he does, and then he kind of takes a little wander over to the stage, and he's standing behind me looking at uh, the drummer, and you know they're doing their thing, and but it it, it comes out right. It, it sounds right, and uh, we awesome. we've been doing this together for a year and a half now, most of us, and and it's like yeah. I mean, I go back and listen to the the original records and all the CDs, and then, and then I go back and we play it, and it's like yeah, it's there. It's good. That's that's awesome. really cool. I, you know, I've seen a lot of tribute bands. I've seen many Beatles tribute bands, including that Will Lee band. I've seen um, several Zeppelin tribute bands. Mm. Um, but it seems to me that, that the Who offers, maybe maybe just starting with the Keith Moon parts, mm. offers you know a lot of really unique challenges. And then the fact that you're doing it down, you know, you're not doing just their greatest hits. You're actually doing this very uh, orchestral, theatrical yeah. set of songs and Tommy. Mm. So you, you picked a really challenging project. I think that's why we wanted to do it because it is uh, a homogenous uh, thing, the whole album to do it from start to finish without any pauses apart from, you know, if uh, guests come on, um, it, it, it was a challenge, but that, that's why it was fun. If it was just about getting a bunch of songs together, well, we've, we've all done that in different situations and constellations and Henrik and I have been actors before. So we've done shows as well as, you know, music stuff. And it, it was nice to do something that was not just us putting together a gig. Uh, I can understand and, and, that. And the, and the album's interesting and, and, and there's some really strong material on there and there's some other stuff that's taken out of context is not so interesting but put it all into context and you kind of think, okay, that song's maybe not so interesting separate, but you hear it in the show and then you realize the payoff is the bit that comes after right? because of the song beforehand. Yeah. Well, it's an so, orchestrated yeah. thing. Yeah. And, and, and so, you know, part of our job was to get all the timing right so that, you know, okay, can we pause here to kind of take our breath or retune a guitar or wait for somebody to come on stage and say, actually hear no, otherwise we'll really ruin the dramatic effect of that song coming direct after the other song. Sure. What is your favorite song on Tommy to play? Uh, I have to say I love playing Sparks because it's a challenge. <sighs> I uh, love that tune. Uh, you know, all uh, that, uh, it's, it's horrendously syncopated. Um, uh, but I love playing that. And, and we worked really hard on it to get the timing right and everything. And then um, and, and Russ has been brilliant. He's got us a uh, kettle drum. So uh, Hen- Henrik puts his guitar down for that bit and goes over, and so we got the kettle drum in there as well. Um, that's, that's one of my favorites because uh, it's my little moment to shine. Yeah, as a lead guitarist, but you know, playing chords, uh, and I love Pinball Wizard. Yeah, Pinball Wizard. I've been able to play and sing Classic. for years, Absolutely. for years, and um, you know, um, I'm just, you know, if Dave breaks his ankle on Friday, that's great because I can sing the song on Saturday. Ah. No, I'm, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. We'll wheel you on to sing. I can, it. I can sing with a broken ankle. Yeah, I, yeah. I hope I don't because yeah. then I can't play the drums. Yeah, well, it works any for other the Foo Fighters and Muse. So yeah, I'm sure you can. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So what was the hardest song to put together? Um, uh, nothing really from Tommy itself. Tommy itself worked itself out pretty easily. We we all went off, and our homework was to learn our parts, so, so that when we came together, we we were just bring everything, getting it tight and up to speed. Right. Um, won't get fooled again was a challenge because mm-hmm. of getting that keyboard sound and the, and the tremolo effect all syn- all synchronized so that it would work. So how will you work that out? Saturday, because you don't control this theater. In fact, you've never been in this uh, theater I'm before. hoping that Dylan or our sound guy has figured out how to get the tremolo effect and okay. have it just tremolo effect in both the monitors and out front and none of the direct sound, because that's what I did in Sweden, because I, I programmed that bit using the Yamaha M7 oh. mixer, and I found the effect and did it pre-fade and 
just effects and no keyboard in the uh, monitor or uh, the PA. that's the trick right is you're yeah. only you're not hearing the the, the source you're no, just hearing you're the effect just hearing the effect that's right yeah okay uh, but we got it we got it down 140 bpm uh, eighth notes and 95 percent uh, uh yep you know from the, sound. the saturation the, or whatever well you know what do you call it the the cut oh. the you know the square wave you yep. know and it's 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 close it's close enough and it worked really well that's awesome that's awesome. So that was a challenge. So, that was the biggest challenge. I, I have a I have a question. Just putting together who, who music, I've always felt like, and, and you can't, I, I've never been able to do this when playing Who Tunes as, a, as just a cover band where you're playing it in the context of, of everything else that's done in the night. But I, I always feel like th- when listening to The Who and even when watching them, the roles are sort of switched up. And, and it's to me, it's always been that Townsend is the drummer. And he's driving things. And then you've got these two other guys that are soloing on top of him. And they happen to be playing drums and, and bass. That's exactly what we f- figured. Okay. That's, we, we all realized that early on as well. It's like Townsend is the rhythm. Yeah. Everyone else, including Daltrey, are all soloists. That's right. It's, it, it is Townsend who's the rhythm uh, in that band. Yeah. It's like an acoustic gig yeah. in that sense, yeah. right? The guitar player just drives yeah. the whole thing. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, it's, uh, it, I'd, I'd love to experience that someday. Cause like I said, I've never, I've never been able to do that. And as a drummer, that's, that's actually something that's very attractive, right? You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Um, so a couple of questions about, about the, the uh, actual tactics, like how much gear did you travel with to come over to, to uh, perform here? Um, my stage clothes. And some plectrums, but I bought new plectrums today. <laughs> I was uh, I was going to bring my favorite guitar, but um, it would have cost a fortune to take it on the flight. Yeah, uh, as well as having. And, and actually, we should we should pause for a moment, and for our U.S. listeners, a plectrum is a oh, guitar pick, pick. Pick, sorry, yeah, yeah. <laughs> sorry, it, not everybody that listens to this show is in the U.S. If, if I say pick a, in Sweden, it's a root word, so I've gone back to using the word plectrum. But okay, okay. pick, yeah, uh, my guitar pick. So you, you were born in in. I was born in London. In London, mm, okay. Yeah. But okay. I moved to Sweden about uh, twelve years ago with well, my wife. Uh, it was so it, she's Swedish. She's Swedish. Mm. Okay, so it was her mostly that drove you there or do you both like it there uh well we both like it there um she wanted to live there as as a family and when we had kids and uh, i was fed up with trying to make my acting career work and i didn't want to go out on tour anyway because i had a family and so i just said well okay you want to move to sweden then well let's do it giddy up yeah and it took us a couple of years to get it sorted but so it wasn't quite giddy up but it was like you know a a slow (laughs) trot rather than calloping (laughs) off into the distance but uh, yeah so so we moved uh in her in her case, back to Sweden. And in my sure. case, over oh. to Sweden. Yeah, yeah. Two thousand three. Have you done any right. acting since you've been there? Yeah, I've done more voiceovers, more uh, adverts and stuff since I moved to Sweden. All low key stuff, so nothing that's making me a fortune. But I didn't get anything like that in the UK. And then suddenly moved to Sweden. Somebody got in touch, said, "Hey, I need somebody to do this voiceover for this big, big um, uh, presentation prize ceremony we're doing in the Blue Room, where they do the Nobel Prize." Oh, yeah. Uh, would you like to do it? Uh, yeah. So I did that and then that snowballed into other voiceovers and eventually a couple of commercials. And uh, Well, that's because in London, everybody sounds like you. So yeah, a dime yeah, a dozen, yeah, right? Yeah. You're exotic. I'm, yeah, I'm exotic. Yeah, yeah. I'm unique. <laughs> I, am, I am anyway, but now I get paid for it. That's right. You've always known you were unique. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Go ahead, Paul. Sorry. So I'm thinking about the listeners who are like, I have this band, you know, a tribute band or cover band, and I, and I, it would be a dream of mine to go somewhere else and play, to travel mm-hmm. with my band and go play somewhere. So 
So you just told me that you have hardly brought anything. You're, you're making arrangements for backline and instruments everywhere you go. So mm-hmm. just talk to us a little about the organization. How does that work? How, how many, first of all, how many stops on this tour do you have? We're just doing this one show in Portsmouth because, you know, here, this is where we have friends. And I'll correct it and just say it's Rochester. Oh, sorry, yeah, Rochester, not yeah. Portsmouth. Not no, even, that's okay. Yeah. Just in case anybody listens and wants to go. So I don't know why I said Portsmouth. So this is a one-off. This isn't a tour that's going to continue on. No, not unless uh, Russ suddenly wants to get on his entrepreneurial hat and fix us some more gigs. So Russ, just just to give a a tip of the entrepreneurial hat, Russ is the guitar player I play with in Fling, and and we actually have a a business venture going on as well. And and Russ is a master organizer. So this, if if you knew Russ, none of this would surprise you that that this is all happening the way it is. So it's not surprising me either, but it's humbling me. It's it's yes. Amazing. I well, mean, he makes I mean, us I mean, all feel like we're just, you know, yeah. nothing. I should, right? Playing a show Under in America is a dream come true for me. So, I mean, I, I don't think, I don't know if Russ really <laughs> realizes. Is this your first gig in the States? Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. awesome. It's my third time in the States, but it's my first gig. Yeah. That's yeah, sweet. So there's not a tour to really talk about extended things, but so I'm there's this one not, gig. No, not this time. Totally understand. So, yeah. um, so you came over, you have this connection, this network of, mm. of people that you knew in this area mm. and slowly started, or Russ started helping you, you know, we can get you backline, yeah. we can get you a place, yeah. we can get you a sound engineer. Mm. Awesome. Yeah. Well, that's basically it. Yeah, we just need to turn up. <laughs> it, it, it seems almost unfair, you know, yeah, well, we fly over and, you know, and take, yeah, it's, take, it's a little weird our, that you, take our stage you guys push. are coming from. You guys are coming from Europe, and it's yeah. easier for you than us who live here can, to go to our gigs, right? Well, unless you have Russ organizing everything yeah, yeah, for you. Yeah. That's why do you think we keep him in fling, Paul? Mm, you pay him That's enough. Right. I'm sure he'll f- fix more gigs for you guys. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you. Is this the only band you're playing in right now? Nope, not at all. Okay. Um, do you want the list? Uh, I play in a trio that was a quartet with my wife and a friend. Um, and. Uh, originally with his partner as well, but um, she 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 needed to take a break, uh, so she did, which is a shame. She's welcome back whenever she wants to. We were basically two acoustic guitars, four voices, uh, doing a mix of our own stuff and uh, songs that we liked that we felt we could do our way. Uh, so we would take some stuff that you know maybe didn't have a strong harmony content, but we would do it. So you know, one of the fun ones we do is. Um, Time Stand Still by Rush, you know, two acoustic guitars and four voices. Oh, nice. It's, it's fun. Wow. Um, that's the only Rush one we do. It's the only one we could get to work that way. But we, we do all sorts of stuff. You know, everything from Lady Antebellum to the chorus to, um, uh, now my mind's gone blank. Well, what, what do we do? Uh, yeah. But uh, all sorts of stuff, you know, rock and pop. But yeah. With two guitars. How often does that do, band work? Could... Uh, at the moment, it's been a bit low key because we've had other things and other projects to do. And Tommy's taken a lot of time from my uh, spare time, yeah. so to speak. Um, but we do, we, we, we do the odd gig here and there. Uh, we're not actively pushing that one at the moment because there's other things. Then I uh, play with a, a friend of mine called Nissa, who's an amazing fiddle player and really likes uh, roots music, both Swedish and uh, American and Celtic. So Irish, Scottish. Uh, and we do, we do gigs from time to time. Again, don't push it too hard because uh, we've also we've got other commitments uh, but the latest gig I did with him was about to, well, let me think, what was the date today? Yeah, 1st of July uh, at a, uh, a, a um, an open-air restaurant by the water in uh, the town where I work. Nice. 
uh, where they have the guest harbour, you know, the leisure harbour and the boats. And that was, uh, you were talking about a four-hour gig earlier. That was a three-hour gig with, yeah. one, with one break. Okay. Uh, and my dad came over. My dad's a guitarist as well, so he came over as well, and it was the three of us. So it was uh, two guitars, three voices, and one violin. It was fun. Oh, nice. And then um, I get employed to um, be the guitarist in the band for the choir that my wife sings in. Like a, they have a kind of modern repertoire and they usually have a theme. Uh, and the one that got me in there in the first place was they were doing a Beatles show and I've played a Beatle on stage and I know their stuff really well. So she said to the Capellmaster, uh, uh, you know, you should have Peter play because, you know, he knows the Beatles stuff. And not only did he get me in to do the show, uh, he got me in to do all the rehearsals as well. Oh, nice. So that was nice and lucrative and a lot of fun. Yeah. And so so what, and since then, I've been part of the band. What Beatle stuff have you done? Um, one of my first shows after leaving theatre school was a show called Imagine in Liverpool, mm. which was about John Lennon, and I played George Harrison. Oh, and, nice. And then in the low, uh, Lennon solo years, I was the bass player. So okay. I, I was like... Um, Double duty. Class Vorman. Yeah. I mean, not by name. But no, I mean, but I that, was, that I was, role. I was effectively Class Vorman in, in that section of the show. Nice. So I was George Harrison there. And that was great. I had eight lines, but I got to learn all of his parts properly, which is great. Great yeah. fun and good, good experience. And he sang the crazy high stuff quite a bit in the Beatles arrangements, didn't he? Uh, say again? He sang the really high lines in the Beatle harmonies quite often, didn't he? Uh, no, I think that was more likely to be McCartney. He's, yeah. he's got the range. He, Harrison would take McCartney's lines in the, in, the line, in, the, in the tunes that McCartney would sing, and McCartney would sing the harmony. Up. Yeah, I think that's often. Uh, mm, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. But man, they sounded, they made it sound good together. They did. Yeah. And again, that was also great because we had to work a lot on close harmonies and, and get it tight and everything. And that, and that was fun. It a is lot fun. Of fun. And I've, um, I mean, I've done shows since then where we've been doing a lot of Beatles stuff and, uh, so that's, you know, just stays with you, you know? And so, oh, he can do the Beatles and yeah, I could. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. And you can, that's right. Yeah. So Beach Boys coming up. Beach Boys coming Maybe. up. Yeah. I've scored the harmonies for uh, good vibrations and, um, yeah, that's that's a challenge, I can tell you. Hey, Paul, that reminds me, Paul, and this is totally random. At one point in time, you sent me, you had scored the harmonies for California Girls. Do you still have that? I, you sent I that. didn't score them. Someone online oh, scored okay. many Beatles songs. What I think, I Beach think, Boys, but that's okay. I, I'm sorry, Beach Boys. That's <laughs> all. Those are five part, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, someone online has done them. I think it's searchable okay. and you can find it. All right, it. okay, I'll look. Because you'd sent it to me and I wanted to actually bring that into Fling. And I, for years, I have been forgetting to ask you about it. Yeah, well, you can uh, send me a copy as well. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to need it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, that's why I figured I'd bring it up. Yeah. 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 Cool stuff. Mm. You got any other questions for Peter here before we, uh, before we wrap up episode 23 here, Paul? No, I don't. I just, it's cool that you came over. It's cool that you have some friends that are helping you get this gig going. And, and I wish you a lot of luck with the gig. I mean, it, to think that you've rehearsed the thing for a year and you're now just starting to dust it off and really let people see what you're doing. is really awesome. So good luck with the show. Thank you very much. And thanks for having me here. It's been great talking to you. Absolutely. Anybody that's listening. And in fact, we did, we had, um, uh, I had at least two people come up to me on, on my Thursday night gig that came because they heard about it on this, uh, on our podcast here. So for those of you that are listening, Rochester Opera House on Saturday, the 18th of July, and uh, and tickets are still available, and that's the uh, the Tommy experience. Yeah. Yeah. What an experience it'll be. It will. See you Saturday. <laughs> See you Saturday. Paul, thanks, man. Thanks. It was Good. fun. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Peter. And we'll uh, we'll see you next time.
All right.